today's reading is from Ezekiel 34. The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, This is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to you shepherds of Israel who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, clothe yourselves with the wool and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. My sheep wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. They were scattered over the whole earth and no one searched or looked for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, because my flock lacks a shepherd and so has been plundered and has become food for all the wild animals, and because my shepherds did not search for my flock but cared for themselves rather than for my flock, therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I am against the shepherds and will hold them accountable for my flock. I will remove them from tending the flock so that the shepherds can no longer feed themselves. I will rescue my flock from their mouths and it will no longer be food for them. For this is what the Sovereign Lord says, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines and in all the settlements in the land. I will tend them in a good pasture, and the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in good grazing land, and there they will feed in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend my sheep, and have them lie down, declares the Sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak, but the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. As for you, my flock, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. I will judge between one sheep and another and between rams and goats. Is it not enough for you to feed on the good pasture? Must you also trample the rest of your pasture with your feet? Is it not enough for you to drink clear water? Must you also muddy the rest with your feet? Must my flock feed on you, on what you have trampled, and drink what you have muddied with your feet? Therefore, this is what the Sovereign Lord says to them. See, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep. Because you shunk with flank and shoulder, butting all the weak sheep with your horns until you have driven them away, I will save my flock and they will no longer be plundered. I will judge between one sheep and another. I will place them over one shepherd, my, my servant David, and he will tend them. He will tend them and be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God and my servant David will be prince among them. The Lord, I, the Lord, have spoken. I will make a covenant of peace with them and rid the land of savage beasts so that they may live in the wilderness and sleep in the forest in safety. I will make them and the places surrounding my hill a blessing. 
I will send down showers in season. There will be showers of blessing. The trees will yield their fruit and the ground will yield its crops. The people will be secure in their land. They will know that I am the Lord when I break the bars of their yoke and rescue them from the hands of those who enslaved them. They will no longer be plundered by the nations, nor will wild animals devour them. They will live in safety and no one will make them afraid. I will provide for them a land renowned for its crops and they will no longer be victims of famine in the land or bear the scorn of the nations. Then they will know that I, the Lord their God, am with them and that they, the Israelites, are my people, declares the sovereign Lord. You are my sheep, the sheep of my pasture, and I am your God, declares the sovereign Lord. Um, Months ago I planned what we should hear today and it was meant to be a sermon on romantic love from the Song of Songs. Uh, Given the announcements given, it seemed prudent to lay aside those plans until spring perhaps and instead to embark on a four-week series on shepherding addressing the issue of pastoral leadership from the Bible, beginning where we must with what shepherding isn't and then moving on to what shepherding is. Um, We need to pray. Our Father in heaven, we need so much for you to rule us. We need you to be our shepherd. We are your sheep and we ask Heavenly Father that by your spirit, through your word, now, you would shepherd all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. I have a very limited experience of shepherding myself. When I was a child, I used to holiday uh, with my family, with another family who owned a farm in the Riverina. Uh, in southern New South Wales and uh, we would hop on horses and go and round up sheep, stupid sheep, I found out they were. More recently, we, um, when our kids were this big, we, we went up to Oruru, uh, north of Adelaide, and <coughs> would stay on a farm uh, where there were sheep. And one night after a storm, uh, we all went out on the back of the ute with the farmer to check the sheep one particular memorable moment, one poor sheep, sheep we found, a ewe, a female sheep, was stuck in labour. Had she been labouring all night through the, the storm, can you believe it? And uh, the, 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 sh- the lamb was stuck. And um, as we got closer, she started to run. It was not helpful. The farmer who was in the ute told me, get her. So I bounded off the ute and chased this poor labouring you across the paddock with her stuck lamb (laughs) and tackled her as I had to because that was the only way to make her still and the farmer then got off and grabbed what he could of the lamb and yanked it out and of course this lamb had had a swollen head because it had been oxygen deprived and then the farmer for the first time ever in his experience and certainly I couldn't believe what I was seeing proceeded to give mouth-to-nose resuscitation on a brain-damaged lamb. Icky. (laughs) Uh, 
Shepherding requires you to do some uncomfortable things sometimes. Shepherding is a term used in the Bible to describe leadership. Uh, It's a revolutionary term, so no one else in the ancient world used shepherding as a description of leadership because being a shepherd wasn't a sought-after profession. The Egyptians uh, described Jacob's family as a bunch bunch of shepherds. That's why they were happy for them to live elsewhere. The Egyptians despised shepherds. It was a low-life job, something that unsophisticated and poor people did. And yet, to be a shepherd was, in fact, when you think about it, very, very good training for being a leader. Moses, we remember, the man of God who led the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt, prior to that, had been a shepherd for 40 years. King David the great king of Israel who led the Israelites in battle, spent his youth being a shepherd. Which is why it's significant that when when Jesus, the true leader of God's people, was born, that news was first announced by angels to shepherds who were watching their flocks. That doesn't mean they were just taking a siesta. Watching their flock was a very Christ-like thing to do. Because the job of the shepherd is to take care of the sheep. And by day, that means, of course, finding new pasture for them, because they tend to eat down the pasture where they are. You've always got to find new pasture. And when they move, therefore, you've got to find water for them. This is to strengthen the sheep and make sure any sick sheep recover. And then you have to lead them there Uh, as you move. You have to keep them together, keep the flock together. And if one goes off, you have to go after it and look for it and bring it back. That's what it meant by day. By night, of course, shepherding means protecting them. It means constant vigilance, scanning the surrounding area for approaching wolves, and if a a wolf or a wild animal would approach, you would have to intervene. You would have to stand between the approaching animal and the sheep, and you would have to fight it off, or perhaps you would have to kill it. The true shepherd will do that, because they share the heart of God, which is to care for the sheep. Which brings us to Ezekiel 34. Ezekiel was a prophet in the 6th century BC and one of the Israelites who was taken into exile into Babylon because the nation had persistently turned their backs on God. They had done that because they were led largely by evil kings and corrupt priests. And so in chapter 34, God takes issue with such leaders and he tells us what he will do about them. So first he has to say something about Israel's shepherds, then he will say that he himself is our shepherd and then we will step back and think, what does this mean for us now that Jesus has come and risen again? But first of all, he addresses Israel's shepherds by telling Ezekiel to prophesy against them. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the Sovereign Lord says, woe to you, shepherds of Israel, who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? Well, that's it. That's the job of a shepherd. To not exist for themselves, they exist to take care of the flock. That's what a shepherd does. But Israel's shepherds had completely failed. 
They have been negligent. You eat the curds, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. So they've failed by doing things that they shouldn't have done, the sins of commission, and by not doing things that they should have done, the sins of omission. You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. Instead, you have ruled them harshly and brutally. And the result is terrible. Number one, they were scattered because there was no shepherd. You see, without a shepherd, sheep wander. That's what they do. Even with a shepherd, they wander. But if you've got a shepherd, then you have someone who can go and bring them back. But when there's no shepherd, they scatter. Meaning that secondly, when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals because there was no one to protect them. And then thirdly, my, sh my sheep wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. They were scattered, in fact, over the whole earth and no one searched for them or looked for them. Now, what's he talking about really here? He's talking about the failure of Israel's kings and priests to follow the Lord, which resulted in judgment First, via the Assyrians, who in 722 BC invaded the 12 tribes of Israel, they took the northern 10 tribes and scattered the people, gone. And then, of course, the Babylonians, who in 597 BC invaded the remaining southern two tribes and exiled them. Israel's kings and priests, their shepherds, had been wholly negligent, resulting in the flock being decimated and them being left without a shepherd. And therefore God gives his ruling. He says, I'm against the shepherds and I will hold them accountable for the flock. And he announces, I'm going to remove them from tending the flock so that the shepherds can no longer feed themselves. He gives a ruling. He says he's going to remove them. And of course he did this, because after the exile, Israel had no king, there were no more kings. And after the destruction of the temple in AD 70, Israel has no priests, no kings, no priests. God removed those shepherds of Israel. And he hasn't appointed any priest since then, not in the sense of an Old Testament priesthood where the priest functions as that middleman, that mediator between God and us. And that's why in our church today, even though I'm ordained as an Anglican priest, that word actually comes from the Latin presbyter, which means elder. It does not mean the same as an Old Testament priest. That's why I'm not offering sacrifices for sins and why I'm not the mediator between you and God because 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 5, there is one there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. And he is the one all-sufficient mediator that all of us need. You don't need someone else. Anyway, so God gives his ruling, he'll remove them. And then comes the staggering announcement from the Lord. After announcing that he is against Israel's shepherds and he will remove them, he then says, and it's amazing, he says, I myself will step in. I will rescue the flock from their mouths. It will no longer be food for them. 
For this is what the sovereign Lord says, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so I will look after my sheep. So the Lord's solution to the false shepherds is to come and be for them the shepherd that their leaders had failed to be. Now, some of us have had bad experiences in life, and some of us have had bad experiences in church. And perhaps for you, you've formed an opinion about God, that because these things have happened, that God doesn't care, not about you, and that probably deep down he's really mean. But what God is telling us very loudly and clearly is that he is not like that. That who God is for each one of us, each one of us here this morning, who God is for us is a shepherd. A shepherd who, despite whatever conclusions you may or may not have drawn, he cares for you. And even though you cannot see him, he has your back. And in fact, he is very active in caring for you. Verse 12, he is rescuing his sheep He's bringing them out from the nations. He's bringing them into their own land. He is pasturing them. He is tending them. He is feeding them. And please note in this, he's not saying anyone else is doing it. It's it's not something he's delegated out to others. He himself is doing it. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. But the sleek and the strong who fatten themselves at the expense of others, I will destroy. I'm going to shepherd the flock with justice. Now, it's good... It's good for a pastor to hear these words about how important the shepherding of the flock is to God himself. It's good for a pastor to hear that... God would hold shepherds to account. It's good to hear at heart what shepherding is. Shepherding means caring for the sheep, first and foremost. First and foremost. Not caring for themselves. So it's very good for a pastor to reflect on this. And actually it's very healthy for a pastor to reflect on this in front of the flock that he has been given to pastor. Just so everyone's clear. In fact, it's good for everyone who shares pastoral leadership with him to reflect on our responsibility together. It's big. And in fact, it's good for the whole church to reflect on these words because we realize that however we've been pastored on a human level, God himself cares for how his people are led. And it's helpful for everyone to know that God will hold shepherds to account. James 3 verse 1, not many of you should presume to become teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more harshly. Without going into all the details, I'd have to say the last week has been probably the hardest in my life. 
because it's caused me to reflect very deeply on how I have pastored here. And it's true to say that looking back in 12 months, I can see that I've done things which I shouldn't have done. And that I should have done things which I haven't done. That's true. And I'm grateful for the leadership team because I have around me some people who are helpful in helping me to work out what it means to pastor in this place. And it's messy, uh, the process of looking at it. And it's humbling, and I'm trying to learn. And I have to own my own failings in all of this. And of course, it's hard to drill down into all that, and I haven't seen everything yet. Who of us has? Because James says, we all stumble in many ways. All of us, our shepherds and sheep, we all stumble. And so I want to say that if you, if you are aware in your life of things that I've done which I shouldn't have done, or things which I haven't done which I should have done, I'm standing before you today. to ask for forgiveness. I've already asked for the Lord's forgiveness, but I need to ask for yours. And of course, I'm aware that um, even if it's not been me, that it may have been other pastors in your past, other leaders who've been here or in other churches you've been at. So it may not be me personally who sinned against you, but I represent perhaps the church that did. And so therefore, I want to say, I'm sorry. And being in the role I am to ask for forgiveness. Because for some people here, I know there's been a weight of hurt which you have been carrying. Uh, there has been a burden. Um, I have to say, I have really tried to do what I can to ease the burden, to lift it but I haven't always been successful. But the truth is you need that burden lifted <laughs> and we need that burden to be lifted. And I know it isn't enough to say just forgive because right pastoring has to happen, which is why the leadership team must now follow due process and work things out. And it's why all of us actually need to turn back to learn from God what true pastoring looks like. Now, perhaps you're thinking that I've been maybe overly hard on myself. Well, buckle up, because next in verses 17 to 19, God turns from speaking of judging the shepherds to judging the flock. 
because some of them have exhibited the same behaviour towards each other that the shepherds have exhibited towards the flock. As for you, my flock, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. I will judge between one sheep and another, between rams and goats. Is it not enough for you to feed on the good pasture? Must you also trample the rest of the pasture with your feet? Is it not enough for you to drink clear water? Must you also muddy the rest of your feet? Muddy the rest with your feet. Must my flock feed on what you've trampled and drink what you've muddied? So what's acknowledged here is that God's people are also capable of self-interest at the expense of one another. That's true. So what will the Lord do? Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says to them. See, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep. That is, he will hold each of us to account for how we treat one another. But then more than that, and here is the really good news, because there is good news. In all of this, God's answer is that he himself will step in and he will lead them and save them and shepherd them through Jesus Christ. Because you shove with flank and shoulder, butting all the weak sheep with your horns until you've driven them away, I will save my flock and they will no longer be plundered. I will place over them one shepherd, one, my servant David, and he will tend them. He will tend them, and he will be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be prince among them. So God's answer is to send us one shepherd. Who is this one shepherd? We're told he's the Lord's servant, David. Well, David, of course, had been dead for centuries by the time this was written. Who is he? Of course, he's the son of David, the good shepherd, Jesus Christ. He is the only real king Israel ever had after the exile. And he's the, he's the only priest as well. So he fulfills both shepherding roles of king and priest. And he does it for us. He is our king. He rules us in righteousness. None of us in his kingdom are free just to do whatever we want at the expense of others. His word teaches us how to treat one another. And he'll judge us if we don't. And as king, he goes before us and he lays down his life as a saviour. He goes into battle for us. And as priest, of course, he takes up that teaching role as well. He teaches us, but he also takes up that other role as priest. He intercedes. His blood was offered to atone for our sins. And now, this Sunday morning, the Lord Jesus Christ, enthroned at God's right hand, lives and is interceding for us for this church right now in heaven. Now, of course, we don't live in the same time as Ezekiel, who had their corrupt priests and kings. Jesus isn't physically here for, with us so that we can air our grievances and he can sort out our squabbles. So what is God saying to us now 
through his word in Ezekiel, to we who live after Jesus has come and lived and died and risen and ascended into heaven. What is his message now? It's threefold. First, it tells us that before we are anything, all of us are sheep. That is, we all have an innate tendency to wander off. We butt heads. We trample what is there for others. All of us, myself included, we need a shepherd. All of us. Most of us are familiar with Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. What's astounding to me about that psalm is that even though it was written by the great King David, who himself was literally a shepherd of sheep before he became a shepherd of people in his role as king, the astounding thing is that even he... A great shepherd, when he says, the Lord is my shepherd, what's he saying? He's saying, first and foremost, who I am is a sheep. Right? The shepherd is a sheep. All of us are sheep. We are sheep which need to be shepherded by the Lord. And that is true for every single one of us here. It's true for you and it's true for me. Which means that each of us need to look to the Lord to be our shepherd. So that if we have an issue, we look to him. If there's strife we need saving from, we bring it to him. If we're stuck, we call out to him. If we're lost because we've wandered off and we don't know the way back, we call for him. And our prayer will therefore very often go exactly like this, Lord, you are my shepherd. I'm in a mess. Please be my shepherd right now because I need you to be precisely for me now who you are, my shepherd. Second, even though we have no longer need for king or priests because we have Jesus, in the New Testament, The Lord places pastors or under-shepherds over his flock. We are not kings. (laughs) We are not priests in the sense of the Old Testament priest. But still, we have a shepherding role. And indeed, it's true that under them, uh, there are elders, there are leadership team members, there are ministry leaders, there are home group leaders, there are basement leaders, there are kids' church leaders... Many people, all who in one way or another share with him the shepherding role and who carry shepherding responsibility. Sometimes people say to me, what does a pastor do? I say, well, it's very much like being a shepherd. You know, it's trying to feed the flock so that they are well fed and they grow strong. It's trying, when you're moving people, to have them stick together Come on in, come on in, everyone. It's saying, um, I can see you wandering off. Hey, you, come back. It's seeing someone who's stuck, maybe stuck in sin, stuck, stuck, just stuck somewhere, and helping them out. Uh, It's seeing a lost sheep out there who's wandered off and who needs searching for to bring back. It's anticipating danger and keeping a constant lookout for it. And if you see it, you have to intervene. 
for the sake of the flock. So it requires vigilance, it's constant, and sometimes you make your decisions in the day and sometimes you do it at night time in the dark when you can't see everything and you can't anticipate everything that the sheep are confronting. And so sometimes you'll get it wrong. Now you might think, well, that's a pretty lousy system that the Lord's devised, isn't it? You know, to have less than perfect um, shepherds who themselves are sheep in charge of sheep. That's a pretty faulted system, isn't it? Couldn't God have done something better? Well, of course, it would be a disaster if only human shepherds were the ones who were doing it, but we're not. Because thirdly, we have to remember, and this is true, that over all of us is a chief shepherd, Jesus Christ. He gave his life to purchase the flock. It is precious to him. It belongs to him. He loves it. He cares for it. And he is committed to each and every sheep in his flock, including every sheep that wanders away. He's the shepherd who goes after them and seeks them out to bring them home. And he is committed to also to expanding his flock, to growing it. He says, I've got sheep from other sheep pens you don't know anything about. Sheep, pen, sheep who are not yet with us. Now, when you realise that, it's immensely comforting. It's immensely comforting for those of us who are shepherds. What a relief. And it's immensely comforting for every sheep who gets frustrated with their shepherd. In a moment, we're going to confess and pray. But let me finish with this prayer from the book of Hebrews. And now may the God of peace, you who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, may you equip us for doing everything good, for doing your will, and may you work in us what is pleasing to you, through Jesus Christ, to whom be honour and glory in our church here forever. Amen.